today I want to start a new series called Fear No More. Fear No More. Talk about a timely thing. Fear No More. There is so much fear that is going on in the world and especially in the last two years, we've seen uh, fear suddenly grow more because we've become so much more divided in politics and wars and foreign and domestic and even in COVID. Am I the next one to die? Is my mother the next one to die? What about my children? And, and fear has increased and there might be some reason behind that, but it's now coming to a place where many people have become frozen in their calling in Christ. They've become frozen in their emotions. We've even seen fear that has increased because of racism or sexism or any other type of ism that you can find. We even find real fears that seem to be going on right now where people are panicking because bombs are dropping on their heads in Ukraine. There is actual real fears that are there. What about the price increase on everything? Have you noticed the price increase on gasoline? I was in an Uber the other day and all the guy talked about was, can you imagine the price of fuel that's going on right now? And just talked about the things that are happening and I was walking away going, but we never talked about how good God was us and how much he'll look after us and how amazing it will be when he provides for us supernaturally. Many of these things are real. Some of them are unfounded, but many of them are real. The question we have to ask, what does God say about it? What does the Bible say about this? Well, there are two things I really want to have a look at before we get into the scripture. And the first one is this, there are good and bad fears. There's good fears in the sense of you, God has built good fears into us, like don't walk on a high roof and go to the edge because you might fall off that. Anyone done that before? Yeah, I did. It's good to have a, a healthy habit of, a, healthy habit of a, a good fear, right? I know someone else in the church who said that they've fallen up to eight different times off of a roof. And I'm like, have you thought about not doing that anymore? It's just an idea, it's a suggestion. <clears throat> we should have healthy fears, right? The greatest fear we should have, and it's one of the topics we'll talk about this month, is the fear of God. But we also have bad fears as well that can come our way. Bad fears usually manifest themselves in a thing called phobia. Phobia is basically means irrational fear, a fear without any foundation or reason to have that fear. The problem with phobias is that phobias have now turned into a weaponized word, right? If you don't like me or you don't agree with me, then I'm going to say that you have a phobia of me. Now we have the words like homophobia, then we have transphobia, and we're using the word to say that you're so scared of me that you can't interact with me. Well, if that's true, then anyone that disagrees with me, I get to call them a scotophobia. You're all scotophobics. That's what the problem is. You don't like what I say, you don't like what I do, you must hate and fear me because I'm Scottish, that's what it is. You're like, no, I just don't think your ideas are correct. We've now used the word phobia to be turned into a weaponized word. But the second thing I think that we also have to acknowledge is this, that this phrase, do not fear, is commanded 366 times in scripture. That's one for every day of the year, even the leap year. Right? Every day of the year. Now, I haven't counted all the times the commands are repeated in Scripture, but I would say this is probably the most repeated command in Scripture. It's very hard to get through Scripture without hearing and seeing and reading God say, do not fear, do not fear. Jesus was adamant about this. He told his disciples all the time, do not fear. And that's why no Christian fears. <laughs> right? That's the reason why none of us fear. Ah, mm, no, many of us do fear. 
We still do go into panics. We still get frozen. We're still attached to things in the past because of things that have happened in our past. And I get it. Maybe you were abandoned. Maybe you loved once, but no longer have a, a confidence to love again. Maybe you have taken a risk in life and you failed in your business, so you don't want to try that again. Maybe you have trusted someone, but you were burned and you don't want to be twice. You're, now you're twice shy. I get it. Fear can come into our lives, but what it does is it shuts down what God has called us to. It shuts down his design within us. So if we're commanded not to fear, why do we wrestle with such fear? Well, this morning, I want to read the most famous scripture that you can have. Uh, you know, probably all know it because it's usually only spoken at funerals. Now, it sounds like a wonderful scripture to speak during a funeral, but really it should be the scripture that is for the living, not for the dead. And here's what it says in Psalm 23. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And all God's people said, amen. This is such a tremendous and a wonderful psalm, a tremendous and wonderful scripture that should give us a confidence of knowing that God is near to us. But sometimes we can read it very academically, but we don't know actually how to live it out in real life for ourselves. And I want to just pick out a few scriptures from this psalm to understand it a little bit more. The first, first part, the first verse is, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Now, when you look at the term Lord and shepherd, it sounds, it sounds such a pretty thing, right? We, we have the Lord is my shepherd. Maybe you've got it on your diary. Maybe you've got it on a sticker that's on your fridge and you've got it on a, a stressed piece of uh, uh, wood or something that's on your wall and it makes you feel good about yourself. But this is a very contradictory phrase here. The Lord, the God, the one who made the universe, the one who's made heaven and earth, the one who is the source, the beginning and the end, the one who's the source of everything, he is a shepherd. A shepherd was a guy who was like a day laborer. A shepherd is like the one who was doing the tough work, the hard work. This was like the lowliest position job that you could get. Yeah, yeah, no, you don't get an indoor job. Yeah, you don't get an outdoor job even in the city. You have to go way in the middle of nowhere and do your job where there's no one else around. But here's the psalmist who was a shepherd himself and he's saying, I know what, what positions you, you occupy in my life. You occupy the highest position and you occupy the least position in my life. You are the completion, you're the full completion of my life. And he's saying, you're a shepherd and you're a king. You occupy every position in my life. But the real key in this verse here is this, I lack nothing. Lack means to not have enough. How many of you have felt that recently? How many of you have gone through that over the last year or two that you felt an absolute lack inside of your life? The fact is, is you lacking nothing a real truth in your life? Is God your shepherd? Is Jesus your shepherd? You would say, amen, yes, hallelujah, that's me. But do you feel lack? Yes, I do feel lack. Then maybe he's not your shepherd. Maybe he's not your shepherd as much as you thought he was. Is he providing for you? The funny thing is, sheep owned nothing. You imagine the sheep walking around going, God, I don't know if I can pay my bills this month. 
the mutton law tax is really setting in right now. It's going up higher. The sheep tax is going up. The cost of fuel to bring this, this, the, oh, this, the, the grass in is really costing a lot. I don't know where I'm going to lay my head. You imagine sheep didn't worry about anything because they didn't own anything but the coat that was on their back, right? They didn't own anything. Sheep owned nothing. Everything they needed was in the shepherd. I lack nothing because everything they needed was in the shepherd. You only lack nothing when you see that everything you need is in the shepherd. Hello. Come on, I need some Bishop Robinson here this morning. I think I'm preaching at least 23% a little bit better. Right? I need to get Bishop Robinson back here. Everything we need, so therefore, the lack indicates your proximity to the shepherd, not the resources that you have. You understand that? Every time you feel lack or you're feeling fear or you don't have enough, it's telling you something's up between you and the shepherd. Something's up between you and Jesus. It's not about how much you have. It's not about how much you have got. It's about how much you've got access to and everything you've got access to is in Christ. Here's verse two. Verse two says this. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Well, sheep are nearly not as smart as they look. I was just wondering if maybe some of you thought they were really smart people. But when it says, he's talking about us, right? The the sheep. He's basically saying we're dumber than we look. Sheep basically have a nose, a nostril, and their mouth, and they're really close together. And when they go drink, they just put their face in the water. Dumb animals, right? Try it. It's fun. You should try it. In fact, anyone want to come try that right now? Put a cup on the ground right now. Let's plant your face in it. And what they would do is they would choke themselves out. But what the shepherds would do is they would take their sheep by still waters, by quiet waters. Why? Because a choppy water would splash up inside of them, start to choke them. So you would take the sheep, force them down on the ground in order to consume the thing that was going to refresh their soul. I see that in this case, that many of us go through moments in time where God stops us. He takes us from a standing position to a sitting position, to a still position, a position where you are stationary. And he says, I want you to be still. No, 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 God, I got things to do. I got bills to pay. I got people to see. I got things to get done. I got to fix this. And I got to go here. We've got to get to the new pastures. We don't have time to stop. And God takes you and he forces you down and go, if you're not gonna stop, I'm gonna force you down. I'm gonna make you lie down. Oh, are you sick this week? I'm gonna make you lie down. I'm gonna make you lie down by allowing sickness to come into your life. Oh no, God doesn't use sickness, doesn't he? (laughs) He uses anything to get to what he wants to happen. He uses anything to get you to the place where he's trying to get you to, which is to refresh your soul because your journey is long, your calling is deep, and God has many great things he wants to do in you and through you, and he doesn't always trust you enough to make all the decisions by yourself, so maybe he'll incapacitate you, so you start saying, yes, Lord, what do you want from me? How many of you have been through that this year, where God has stopped you in your tracks, and it's time for you to say, yes, Lord, what do you want from me? The fourth verse is this, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The darkest valley. In fact, some of your scriptures will say that the, the valley of death, the shadow of death, right? Same thing, the darkest valley. Now where I come from, 
we grew up with lots of sheep in fields, right? It's these little fluffy sheep that spring around. Ah, they're not like this, but anyway, they spring around in a green field and the, and the shepherd just lets them roam and it's happy, happy, happy. It's all spring, it's absolutely beautiful. But in the Middle East, it's not like that. In the Middle East, it's a barren land. And the sheep are actually living in a barren land where it's all rocky hills and it's rocky mountains and it's very arid. There's not lots of water. There's not lots of, of, of pastures that they can just graze on. In fact, you can see this little picture here I've got and you can see the ravine here and you've got little sheep that are actually down in the ravine. And so he's talking about these ravines. He's talking about these dark valleys that when the sun is setting and they're still walking, there is people who are hiding behind rocks that are ready to steal a sheep. There are predators that are like uh, uh, dangerous animals that are ready to pounce on these animals in order to try and take them away. It's a dangerous place and wild animals are hiding to attack these sheep. And yet it says, but I will fear no evil. It's amazing how much we can read this in such a pretty manner. I will fear no evil. Doesn't the sheep have a right to absolutely fear something? The danger is the wild animals might attack, the robbers might come. It's they're coming to steal, to kill and destroy. Jesus told us this. Surely they have a right to fear. Surely you have a right to fear the future. Surely you have a right to, to know exactly what is the plan, Jesus? How am I gonna be safeguarded? What is, it, what is the next steps here? But that's not where the psalmist says that he gets his confidence from. He continues on with three different things. I will fear no evil for you are with me. That's the first thing he says. You are with me. Not me with you. You are with me. The presence of the Father is so important in our lives. The presence of the shepherd is so important in our lives. It dictates how you feel about yourself and how you feel about your future. Everything. We even have statistics now. We have so many statistics in our culture where we know that when children grow up without a father in the household, they are more likely to be in poverty. They're more likely to make bad decisions in life. The absence of a father is crippling to a child emotionally many, many times. We must learn how to practice the presence of God because that's the thing that gives us the confidence to do the things that he's calling us to do. If you're not practicing the presence of God, no wonder you're frozen in fear. Think about it. Every day, how much time do you spend with God? How much time do you go and pray with the Father? Before you get up, even as you're getting up, even as you're in the shower, even as you're sitting on the can, wherever it is, when you're making breakfast, how much are you in communion or are you already thinking about what's going on in the world? Are you already reading the news? Are you already checking to see what other people are saying on Facebook? Or are you wondering, what is God saying to me today? And if you're wondering where your fear is coming from, it's because you're not hearing the words of God. Because when you hear the words of God, you fear Him more than anything else in the world. Absolutely, you will find confidence when you decide to commit yourself to praying to our Father. But the funny thing is it says, I'll fear no evil for you are with me. Well, the fact is God is always with you. The problem here is that we don't perceive that he's with us. When I was a child, I was about five or six years old. I was, I was walking along the road with my brother and we were going from the town all the way to where we lived and I was walking along the road and he's like, uh, uh, Peter, hold my hand. 
And I was like, nah, I don't want to hold your hand. I'm too cool for that now, right? I'm six years old. I don't be holding a hand with my big brother. No, I don't want that. So I'm like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I put my hands in my pocket. He's like, hold my hand. I'm like, no, I don't, I don't want to touch. I don't want to hold your hand. And we're walking along the road. And, uh, and of course, it's, it's, it's a busy road. And then up ahead, there was a house. That I even remember to this day when I go by it to, to this very day, this house. And there was all these police that were outside and they had cordoned off the outside of the house. And I'm like, oh, Andrew, what's going on in that house? And he said, someone was murdered there last night. And we had to get around the police cars. And we had to step onto the road to get around the police cars. And he said, someone was murdered there last night. And I just took my hand and I slipped it into his. <laughs> right? Suddenly... I was ready for the presence of the shepherd, right? Oh, oh no, we're good. We're fine. Let's get around that, right? What we do is we train ourselves to only hold the hand of God when things are going wrong. But when we're walking along and we're feeling confident and bold, I don't need your hand. I don't need, I got this. I can walk a street. You gave me two legs. Totally got this right? No, 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 just don't forget. No, it's practicing the presence of God now before trouble comes that makes the difference to know how to hold his hand. It's not about for you or with me. We know that he is with us. It's are you with God? Are you thrusting your hand into his? Then it gives us the two other reasons why he will not fear. He fears because God is with him, but he fears because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. How many times have you ever had a stick and went, that's comforting, right? Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. But there's a reason why he's doing it. It's not just because it's a shepherd symbolism. In fact, even today, this is like the international sign for a shepherd. You'll even see that for uh, pastoral duties, for, for, for uh, um ecclesiastical duties. You'll see often a cross and you'll see a crook, but sometimes you'll just see it like this. And the rod and the staff were often the same one thing that were joined together, but sometimes they were two separate things. And the rod was used to beat away all the dangers against the sheep, right? They would, he would whack the things away and he would attack the attackers that would be coming against the sheep. But then he would have a crook in his other hand. And the crook was for when the sheep would fall into a rocky gorge and into a spot where he couldn't climb down and get it. So what he would do is he would actually reach down and with the crook, he would pull the sheep up towards him. Sometimes the sheep hadn't actually fallen away. Sometimes it hadn't wandered away, but he knew the path was narrow. So he would have to tap the sheep to make sure the sheep was keeping on the right path. I believe this is symbolism for two different things in our lives that the rod is like the, 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 the protection that God provides for us. And the crook is the affection that he gives to us. With the crook, he is bringing us closer to him in affection. With the rod, he is keeping away the evil one in order to stop us from coming under his trap. When we decide that we only want to live with one of these, we have a problem. If your father or your mother decided only to discipline you and to whack you with, this, with, the, with the rod of attack, you live in fear. Your parents have turned you into someone who's fearful. But if you had the type of father who only treated you as a princess and everything was wonderful and I'll make sure that no, nothing ever harm comes your way, you'll never feel pain, I'll always keep pulling you close, I'll keep pulling you close, you're also being set up for failure as well. You see, it takes both sides of the Father, protection and affection to keep us on the right path. The Father has no problem with you feeling pain. None whatsoever. 
But it doesn't mean that pain is the end result that he wants for you. It's affection, it's relationship that he wants for you. But sometimes he'll allow you to go through pain to get you back on the same track. If you have had a father who was not a good father, you have a chance to find the best father at all. Like a blind person who would walk through life wondering why they don't get to see things. What they don't realize is the first person they'll see will be Jesus. If you have been crippled and you've been injured and you've been rejected, you need to know, draw near to the Father. Draw near to the shepherd for he will bring you the sanctity, the sanctuary, the peace, the hope, the confidence that you need and you need to fear no more. Because he told us 366 times, fear no, mere, fear no more because I'm here. I want you to take a moment to think about this. Where are you at with fear? Because there's only one piece of advice I want to give you this morning and that is, go spend some time with the Father. Start praying more. Put down your phone. Switch off your television. Get rid of whatever it is that is distracting you and allowing you to escape the feelings of fear but don't actually deal with the feelings of fear. Go spend time with the one who already has everything in order. The Lord is your shepherd and you shall not be in one. Father, this morning, help us, Lord to draw close to you, to slip our hand once again back into yours. To trust your rod and your, your staff. To trust you that you know where we're going. You know the path ahead. You already have us protected even though there are ones and there are things that are trying to steal, kill and destroy from us. That we won't fear our marriage is falling apart. Our business is falling apart. We won't fear that our children will, will wander away. We choose to return to you and say, we trust you because everything we need is in you. I shall not be in want because everything I need is in you. Just take a moment right now to pray. If you're, even if you're at home right now, I want you to, don't be distracted. I want you to be in this moment right now. And I want you just to take a moment just to ask the shepherd to show himself more to you to forgive you for wandering away, not listening to his call, not heeding his taps of his rod and his staff. Our shepherd God, we thank you for loving us the way you do. Help us to trust you more every day. We ask this in your precious son's name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. We love you guys.